Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. While embarked on a trip through the Shadow Realm, Raven felt the strings of fate tugging at her to veer off of her current course. Taking a sharp left turn, the half-demon found herself in a strange new world. Giant flowers, turtles, and mushrooms seem standard to this bizarre location. It is then that she could sense a fierce, strong presence behind her. Swiveling around, she saw the mighty Bowser unleash a gout of flame with a mighty roar. Oh, I hope I got a spell for this, Raven mutters as she leaps aside and tries to come up with a quick plan for battle. It's King Koopa versus the Cambion. It's Mushroom Kingdom versus Teen Titan. It's Bowser versus Raven. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we have an eccentric battle between good... Kind of, versus evil. Yeah, definitely evil. Uh, in one corner, we have Raven, a longtime member of the Titans, versus Bowser, the longtime nemesis of Nintendo's Mario. As usual, I did the patented who win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. And you will be surprised. No, no, just no. This matchup has never been discussed, like, even once. Like, never. I, I would have been shocked if anybody had talked about this before. I, I, I got to wonder what the uh, the AI people at Google are thinking of when I, you know, log in and I start doing these searches. Like, I, I just, I don't even know what my profile is there. Well, at least, yet again, we bring you, the Who Would Win Show, a premier matchup that's never been discussed ever. And I mean ever in the history of gay culture. Yet again, you're very welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's matchup? I, of course, as always, am fired up for this one. Raven, and it's crazy you say that, because Raven, being a half-demon, is the good guy 
in the Teen Titans. You know, she's the scary one. And Bowser, of course, uh, gives small children nightmares going all the way back to 1985. Is he dragon? Is he a turtle? Uh, who knows? He's a big old fire-breathing monster who's there to make you feel uncomfortable. I, I'm excited. I feel like, you know, Raven's got a certain set of powers, but I also think that Bowser's power set matches up very well with what she can do, but we'll get to that in a little bit. That sounds great. You know, Ray, we, we always do big shows and kind of announce these characters in a big way, but you and I also are working on our own separate projects. Let's, you know, kind of reveal to the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what we've been up to. I've gotten a big announcement as well. This weekend, this coming weekend, I will be... At San Diego Comic-Con. That's right. Our good friends from Geek Fives Nations and Comic Crusaders have been kind enough to present passes for me and my son Rex to go to Comic-Con San Diego. We'll be staying in a great hotel. We'll be attending parties. We'll be meeting up with a whole bunch of cool celebrities, taking pictures, videos of the whole event, having a great time. And by the way, like I've done in previous events, and again, this is the first real full blast San Diego Comic-Con, you know, since COVID hit. So it's going to be a huge celebration. But just like in previous conventions that I've gone to, I'm going around. If I see something really cool, I'll talk to the booth owner, the celebrity, the whoever's there. And I will post that stuff on all of our social media, you know, accounts. Who would win? Mine. I'll break into Ray's account and, you know, post that to five of his followers that follow him. Whatever it is. So stay tuned with the who would win stuff. Follow us on social media. And I will be bringing, at least doing my best, to bring San Diego Comic-Con to all of you. Now, I, with that being said. I yes. can't. I, I. It's such a shock to me, James, that you're going to San Diego Comic-Con. You get a plus one and you choose to bring... Your son. I'm just saying there were better options on the table. What the H? Uh, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I got the the, the official invitation, I also got an official note from San Diego Comic-Con saying, please, you know, you're, we can't wait to have you here, James. We look forward for you enjoying this event like you've done years past. One little caveat, if you can avoid bringing a certain someone, we would be very appreciative. Here's $10,000 if you do so. Look, so, I, as soon as I saw San Diego Comic-Con was sponsored by Burger King this year, I knew I was yeah. going to be in trouble. You knew you weren't going, right? Yeah. You just, it was just, uh, you know, we got to talk to the king sometime. We got to change that out. Now, Ray, you also have a big announcement as well. Please tell the Legion of Audience well, what you got going on. It's hardly an announcement at this point. Last week, you had the opportunity to hear the teaser trailer for Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. And that show is going to be debuting, we can officially say right now. On this show, August 2nd, there's going to be five episodes of the part one of season one. It's going to air five Tuesdays in August, August 2nd, all the way through, I believe, the 30th, the end of the month. So get ready. Get your fangs on. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a, it's coming together really, really well. And I think you guys are going to be excited for what we put out there. Uh, listener discretion advised. Ah. Uh-oh. Naughty okay. words, James. Naughty words. That's... <laughs> That's not surprising, you know, and, and if you don't mind me revealing it, I won't say anything about the names involved, but there are some very big names involved with your show. I r highly recommend there are, there it. I got to some, hear a little bit about yeah. a teaser of, of the show. It's incredible, and uh, I'm a really harsh judge when it comes to this kind of stuff. And uh, Ray, you and I have had our differences, but I tell you, you uh, you knocked it out of the park with this show. And and thank you so much for saying. I'm very excited for where we're going. There are there are some very uh, great performers, especially as far as geek culture goes, uh, who are in this show. Uh, you may have seen them on the Who Would Win show previously. That's all I'm going to say about that. A little teaser for that. 
But uh, we're not we're going we're not quite going loud with everything. There's more stuff to come. And if and James Gavsey himself is what? on the show in a small role that when you hear it, you're going to laugh out loud. Uh, if you know, you know. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, got to be me. All right. So, Ray, you've got big things going on. I got some great things going on. And also, speaking of great things, we have a fantastic judge for today's episode of Who Would Win. Making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's voiceover actor and TV and film for some, you know, small superhero shows like The Boys. Oh, yeah. It's one of the stars of Ray Sicanis' new show, Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's Jen Kane. Jen, welcome to Who Would Win. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, Jen, I'm very familiar with your work, but tell the Legion of Audience what you told us and kind of, if you wouldn't mind describing it the same way you did uh, before the show, because it's absolutely incredible. Uh, okay. Well, uh, what I do for voiceover work is um, for a lot of superhero type things and Marvel movies and stuff, I do fight efforts a lot of the times where they will replace the actor's voice with my voice doing like the hits and efforts, like (laughs) all of that stuff, (laughs) getting killed. (laughs) I've been killed a million different ways. I've had my head chopped off and, you know, all sorts of things. So, yeah, that's one of the things I do. So is there a different noise, you know, do you have to literally say, hey, my head's getting chopped off with a sword <laughs> versus, say, an axe? Is that, are those different sound effects? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, like, I think a sword would be probably like, <laughs> yeah, but an axe would be like, <laughs> somebody check on Jen. I'm, I don't think she's okay. <laughs> Long COVID. It's funny. So one was like a clean shot, like a sword right. was like a one and done. Whereas the right. axe, because I'm hearing this, the axe it, was like a repeat performance of 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 bloody trauma. I mean, that's how I see it. But I would go with whatever's on the screen and and match Man. the action. But I mean, if it were an axe, I would think it would be a little gurgly. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's, the sword would just be like clean. And fire that executioner if it takes him three hits to get it done. That's not a good job. <laughs> right. Right, there's a whole bunch of people at the execution who want a show. Right? That's, they want a satisfying show, James. Nobody's satisfied with three hits. It's <laughs> really just one shot. Okay, so uh, if you don't mind, can I can I name some noises and can you like give up provide a sound effect? I'm just gonna put you on the spot. By the way. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right, here we go. Getting shot through the shoulder by Chewbacca's, uh, what's, it, what's that called? A bowcaster. Uh, bo- yeah, bowcaster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that sounds exactly right. That sounds it exactly burns. right. Okay. Uh, next one. Um, <laughs> the noise you would make after Ray brings you a surprise lunch he made three weeks ago. <gasps> oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds exactly what I did when Ray did that for me. Yeah. We're, yeah Look, that shrimp cocktail was fresh when I made it. <laughs> well, because I'm gracious, so I'm going to say thanks, no matter what it looks or yeah. smells like. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's Ray's fault. I think it's the supply chain. Like, it just who knew how long the uh, 
shrimp took to get over here. All right, listen, <laughs> Jen, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you are kind of like uh, voiceover uh, royalty with everything you can do because I actually know, I'll joke aside, I think I know I've heard your work so often. It's very recognizable. It's fantastic. Um, we have <laughs> an amazing you. show. We have Ray repping Bows. You've got me repping Raven. We've got voiceover royalty with Jen Kane. It is time to start another epic battle for who would win. So with all that being said, Ray, please do your thing and introduce today's matchup. Representing Nintendo, the villain who used to be really introverted, but then he started coming out of his shell, Bowser. And representing DC, the hero who used to have enemies, but now, nevermore, Raven. For the kids at home, Edgar Allan Poe, Baltimore's own. They named a football team after his famous poem. Look it up. Is that true? Wow. That is true. Yes. The Baltimore Ravens NFL football team is named after the poem by Edgar Allan Poe because that's cool. That is cool. That is very cool. All right. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match, which are brought to you by Comixology, one of our great sponsors. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, what version of Bowser will you be using today? I will be using the video game version of Bowser. You know, I thought about the animated Super Mario sure. Brothers Captain Lou Albano cartoon show. Oh my god, show. classic. A classic, but I'm going to stick with 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 the with the main version, video game version of Bowser. Love it. All right. All joking aside, to me, there's just one ultimate version of Raven, and that's the current Raven from DC Comics. I just got to go there. She has the best feeds, and I think is the best suited to take on someone like Bowser. It's going to be a great matchup. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. Rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch right now. It's a great thing to do while you listen to this episode. Trust me on that. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Bowser. Bowser is a large Koopa whose main goal is to conquer the Mushroom Kingdom. He was created by Shigeru Miyamoto and first appeared in the video game Super Mario Bros. back in 1985. Koopas appear to be a combination of dragons and turtles, and Bowser is the leader of them all. Born into vast wealth and power, Bowser wants nothing more than to defeat the Mario Brothers, kidnap Princess Peach, and control whatever slice of world he finds himself in. Besides being large, strong, and durable, Bowser is also gifted magically, providing a constant threat to the powered-up plumbers every time they meet. Fun fact, back in 2019, a disturbing event happened at Nintendo of America. Nintendo president Reggie Filzame, I think, his time as president ended and it was time to name his replacement. Stepping to the forefront to take over was none other than a man named Doug Bowser. Yes, it does appear as if Bowser has done a very meta move and he's going to defeat Mario after all by becoming president of the entire company that owns Mario. Good move, Bowser. Well played. I respect it. And that is Bowser. I mean, this is brilliant. You know, attack from within. That's right. Change the system and just make it your own. I mean, wow. Yeah, speaking of the boys, this is just what, you know, Giancarlo Esposito did in seasons two and three. If you own the, you know, if you're president of the company, the heroes, they can't touch you. <laughs> right. That's yep. right. Totally, totally. All right. Well done, Ray. Now, here are the important details for Raven. Raven first appeared in DC Comics Presents number 26 back in 1980 and was created by Marv Wolfman and the equally iconic George Perez. Raven was born in a land called Azeroth. Her mother, a native of the land, was chosen to be bride to the demon Trigon. And Raven was sired with the express intention of one day becoming a portal that would allow Trigon to reach the moral realm and end the life of all things. So yeah, she had kind of a rough upbringing and a rough destiny. However, instead of serving her father, Raven grew attached to the population of Earth so that when her destiny came, she would not bear to feel the pain of humanity as all lives would be snuffed out. It was at this point that she defied her father and sought out help. Raven initially approached the Justice League for help to save humanity, but they refused on the advice of Satana, who sends Raven's demonic parentage. In desperation, she teamed with, that with and then joined the Teen Titans to successfully fight Trigon. 
Raven and her new friends later came to think of one another's family, and the new Teen Titans were formed. Since then, Raven has become a mainstay within the Titans, having remained on the mortal plane, always vigilant to stop her demon father or any other being who threatens the Earth. And here's an interesting fact about Raven. Did you know that in a fight against fellow teammate and DC Universe powerhouse Starfire, that Raven would win? It's true. In an article from ScreenRant.com back in 2018, Marv Wolfman, the iconic writer and creator for DC Comics, who's known for creating Raven, Deathstroke, Cyborg, Cyborg, amongst many others, stated in an interview, very matter-of-factly, that not only would Starfire lose to Raven, but that Starfire would lose super fast, and it would be super easy for Raven to win in seconds. But what, what makes this even more interesting is that this incredible interview with Marv Wolfman, this piece of journalistic mastery, was conducted by none other than yours truly, James Gabsey. That's right. I hit Marv Wolfman with the hard questions. I established that I was a super fan. And I was the one who made Marv Wolfman somewhat uncomfortable, true story, when I asked him who would win in a last-person-standing free-for-all fight involving the Green Lantern Corps. By the way, he said it would be Hal Jordan. I'm pretty much immortalized now in journalistic culture. Thanks, Screen Rant. And everyone's welcome. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Jen, do you have any questions before we get started? I don't think so. I think I'm pretty clear. I'm just waiting on that Pulitzer Prize, James. It must be on its way. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I had no idea you were a journalist. Neither did I. Uh, COVID evidently just slowed everything down. So, you know, the process takes a little bit longer than uh, usual. Should be here any day. <laughs> it's got to be it. All right. Race to Canis. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Bowser, and I just want to talk about the obvious main difference, to start off with at least, for Raven and Bowser, and that is his enormous size, power, and durability. At the end of the day, Raven is a mystical force of nature, absolutely. Raven is also a tiny, maybe the smallest of all the Teen Titans, and that's a group that involves Robin for gosh sakes, in a physical matchup, she's going to have a lot of trouble against someone the immensity of uh, of King Koopa himself, Bowser. He is roughly what? A a on average, five times the size of Mario. You know, and if we assume that the Mario brothers are a standard five foot ten, Bowser's going to be about two stories tall as a direct opposition. Raven being small, diminutive, she often needs other members of the Teen Titans to start the fight for her. She's the person who sort of steps in when things are going a little bit badly and turns the tide. But when it comes to those initial strikes, she's not going to be great to take them as a frontline warrior, but that's all she's got in a one-on-one -on -one encounter. And Bowser's very fast. He's very agile. It's surprisingly for a guy who's a giant 20 foot, you know, dragon turtle monster. He can do backflips. He can do acrobatics of sorts. You don't expect that out of a character like Bowser. And not just is he large at 20 feet. He's a character who can use his magic to become even bigger. So he's been known to become even bigger. We'll talk about that later. But like the size matchup is ridiculous in this here. And he's very powerful. When he punches stone, whether it's the floor, pillars, blocks in front of him, he destroys it. He completely eradicates it, uh, including like hitting the floor underneath him, destroying the floor and going down to the floor below him. He can do that very, very easily. And he can also jump exceptionally high when he needs to. And then when he lands, he's so heavy and big, he cracks the ground when he lands. Imagine if he knocks Raven down, jumps up in the air like Jimmy Superfly Snooka off the top of the cage in Madison Square Garden, lands on top of Raven. This battle's going to be over before it starts. 
hearts. Heck, he can smash bricks and pillars, again, just by jumping or running through them at, at a good velocity. He gets a good head of steam around him. Raven's going to be in trouble. And he's durable on top of it. He once got hit by a meteor, and he was fine. He once had an entire castle fall on top of him, and he was able to pull himself out and keep going. I question what Raven could do, at least in a physical sense, that's going to be enough to bring Bowser down. He can fall from great heights. He's fine. And as far as lava goes, who knows? Bowser has a complicated history with lava from the early games, him falling in it, coming back later, but being defeated in the moment to later games where he gets encased completely in lava and just, it makes him grow to a bigger size, like a resident evil monster. So who knows what lava is even going to do in case you're going to bring that point onto the table. And last up, he's immune to fire. So any fire-based attacks that Raven might have are going to be nothing. He can just stomp his foot and create shockwaves in the ground around him, which, you know, hit the ripples, uh, uh, around him and so knocking people over putting them in a good position and the final thing to talk about when he was a baby when he was baby bowser very very young he smashed his uh his ward kamek uh just smashed him repeatedly and effectively banished him from that realm he went through the floor it looked like he turned into a ghost and disappeared and why what caused this rage he was woken from his nap too early and anybody who's got a young kid at home will tell you that's real talk right there. That's what actually happens. But that's the fury of Bowser. Keep it in mind. And that's my point number one. It's all interesting stuff about Bowser, by the way, because, you know, definitely he's, he's, he's a physical powerhouse. Of course he is. But what's interesting is that Raven is someone who is on the front lines with the Titans. She is going into the battle, one of the first people to be there. She's got insane physical capabilities that, and listen, I'll go into this, but she's beaten Godzilla-sized, kaiju-sized creatures and demons. So as powerful as, just on the physical sense, as powerful as Bowser is, this is not something that Raven hasn't seen a million times before and is also easily defeated. Uh, in terms of Bowser, you know, making... Uh, that's actually an interesting comparison to Jimmy Superfly Snuka. I see him more of as a mankind where he can just like be flipped off a cage, go through a table, you know, and he's just kind of like smiling as he gets up. He's got that kind of superhuman durability. And, you know, here's the other thing. Bowser can be physically destroyed. And I'll get into more of that later. But all good points for Bowser. Definitely a respectable opponent that you got to be wary of at all times. Let me go to my point number one, and let's talk about Raven's powers, because she's got some crazy good stuff. Look, she's known for having this super powerful supernatural empathy, which is the power to read, you know, she can manipulate and absorb emotions, and this enables her to feel the feelings of others, and she knows what her opponent's really feeling and often what they're trying to accomplish, which gives her an advantage in battle as she knows what they want and what they're trying to do. Her empathy is so strong that she can feel it from thousands of miles away, you know, in terms of she focuses on someone. So Bowser being up close, she'll be able to read him very, very quickly. As a result of this empathy, she has a couple other really cool abilities. She's got emotion negation, where her empathy can take away emotions from others, rendering them emotionally numb. Listen, we've seen Bowser do some crazy cool stuff, but we really haven't seen him be attacked psychologically, uh, telepathically, and on a soul versus soul type of level. This is where Raven shines. She's also got this thing called force emotion, where she can artificially make an opponent feel any emotion 
emotion she wants them to. So if she wants someone to be deathly afraid of her, she can make them feel that way. And again, she's done that to insanely powerful beings that are very similar to Bowser. She's got a super strong telepathy, as I mentioned before. She can read minds, absorb information, erase memories, induce sleep or coma into her opponents. And she's done that, again, from with demons from DC Comics version of Hell. She's got a precognition sense and can see events before they happen. It's kind of insanely useful in the fight. She's got super powerful telekinesis. She can move large objects, destroy things with her mind, hold powerful superhumans in place. She can do it all. She can cast illusions that are so convincing that people even smell blood when they saw these dead bodies that her illusions created. That is crazy. She can shoot powerful bolts of concussive energy. Uh, She can fly. She can create super powerful force fields that can take punches from Wonder Woman, one of DC Comics' most powerful beings. Here's a fun one. Thanks to being half-demon, she's also got superhuman durability. That's going to come in handy. Fun fact, Raven has the power of reality alteration. So because of their demonic parents or whatever, her father, she's able to alter and warp reality at a whim. She pulled kind of a Scarlet Witch and destroyed an entire city and its population and then reverted all back to normal. Raven herself, who's insanely humble and reserved, believes she can destroy the universe with this power. By the way, she's not alone. The other powerful beings in DC Comics also think she's a universal threat. And you know what goes great with reality alteration? You guessed it. Molecular reconstruction. Try to say that one five times fast. She can rearrange matter at the molecular level into whatever she wants. For example, after destroying New York, she destroyed New York. She transmuted all the humans into stone. That's crazy. If that wasn't enough, she can use astral projection to put her consciousness into someone else's body and take it over or attack it from the inside. She can project her soul self, which appears as a giant raven, having to attack others or defend her. She can teleport in close proximity over long distances. And yes... Ray's favorite, she has the power of interdimensional teleportation where she can instantly travel through space and even time to wherever she wants. And she is a master of using this teleportation sense and all of her interdimensional stuff super, super combatively. She's great at it. Look, Raven is considered one of the most powerful and dangerous beings in the DC universe. And I haven't even gone to the really good part of Raven yet. That's my point number one. All great points. You know, I think you're overstating a heck of a lot right there. And with the interdimensional teleportation, look, I'm just glad that she's going to have a way to get away from this battle when Bowser starts crushing her. Because if you're going to talk about pure power and pure feats, Raven is going to have the edge right there. But when you're talking about the actual matchup of these two characters, Bowser has what it takes. You know, you talk about some of these things, you you bring up that she's got a pure empathy character. She feels the empathy of everyone around her. And then you say, oh, and she will also transmute the entire city of New York into stone. What would that do to somebody who has massive amounts of empathy? If she's actually the empathy champion that you're pretending that she is, that's not something that she's going to go to do, typically speaking, because the effects to her personally would be far too much. She is somebody who's been known if she starts experiencing too much emotion from the people around her, even especially in battle, she starts to get weak. She starts to shut down. She has a hard time dealing with people who have powerful emotions around her. And that's an important thing to bring up when I talk about Bowser, as he is a being of pure hate, pure rage, and that rage will probably overwhelm Raven's senses and weaken her in this battle. I just hope there's an example of Raven taking on someone who is like a you know made up of pure rage somewhere it's a shame in her history. There isn't. I, it's a I shame wish there was. It would just make things yeah, so convenient right too now. Bad. All right, Jen, you've heard points. One point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Oh wow, this is a really tough battle. You guys both make some really good points. Um, I sure did. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, Bowser, he has the size. He can he can go through floors. He, you know, what if he squished Raven? But then there's Raven. She's an empath. And, you know, she's really tuned in to emotions around her. And she can force emotions and render you emotionally numb. This is a tough one. I'm going to have to hear a little bit more to make up my mind. That's fair. That's fair. All right. I think we both came out swinging big time in this one, but let's go ahead and continue on. Ray, hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Bowser. Now, I just want to talk about some of his magical items and some of his fire magic that he brings to the table, because you have to keep in mind, Bowser pretty much only fights one Luigi as well, but Mario is his absolute constant threat. And we established in the Mario versus Sonic the Hedgehog matchup that Mario is basically an extra-dimensional super uber being of massive power. So when you say Bowser, you know, loses matchups, well, he's basically fighting One Punch Man over and over and over again and having trouble. And it's like, if you're having trouble dealing with one of, if not the toughest opponent in all of fiction... That doesn't make you weak by being number two and having everybody else fall underneath you. Now, let's talk a little bit about his fire magic because this is something he's known for. He breathes fire. He can breathe fireballs that can destroy terrain around him. These fireballs can change direction uh, whenever he wants to. He can shoot blue fireballs that home in on the opponent, uh, Mario, in this particular case. So I could see a situation where he's blowing out blue magical fireballs that are just homing in on Raven's position. And he doesn't just, you know, do one fireball. He could shoot three more fireballs at the same time, all homing in on Raven's position. She'd better have that teleport gaming gear, but when she teleports to the new position, those fireballs are just going to go to where she is right now. That's going to put her constantly on the defensive in this battle, and she's constantly having to get out of the way of fireballs. Heck, with actually doing offensive moves on her own, she's going to be running for her life, and he can also create a wall of flame around himself that uh, can completely encase him because he's immune to fire. doesn't bother him. It makes him hard to get to when he needs to. A stream of fire, multiple streams of fire, that's what he can do. He can create fire with his claws, put fire in his tail, and turn all in Ghost Rider. He's basically Ghost Rider creating fire in his weapons, his weapons being himself, and attacking you. You know, you get hit with a baseball bat, that's not good. You get hit with a baseball bat that's on fire, you're doing a little bit worse. That's what I'm trying to say. And as far as his magic items and stuff that he's known for, he's got what's called the Super Bell, which turns him not just into a, a giant kaiju monster, but a giant cat kaiju monster. So you know he's going to have nine lives at that point. It's going to be excellent. He has something called the Double Cherry, which it clones him. It makes a clone of Bowser, so you have two Bowsers, except he can use it twice, because it's the double cherry. So you can have up to four Bowsers fighting simultaneously against one little itty-bitty raven getting squished. And hammers. Hammer magic. You know, I think Thor, Jane Foster last week was really proficient in hammer magic. It turned out that so's Bowser. He has lots of hammers. He could just throw them up to ten at a time, and just pull them out of literal nothingness, throw them up in the air, and have them go at his opponent, again, causing them to be in a defensive state. Also, giant hammers that take up like three quarters of the length of the screen, so these things must be gigantic, can just materialize and fall from the sky, and Raven's going to have a hard time being on the defensive this entire battle, as I've already proven. And the last thing I just want to come back to again, Mario. 
Mario is an invulnerable, super-powered-up character who can smash blocks by just jumping at them, uh, can create things, can turn himself into fire creatures, which, of course, doesn't really help him in, against Bowser, but into raccoon, flying creatures, and what have you. Mario is, is one of the most super-powered characters in the history of fiction. So Bowser having trouble with him, not a big deal, because Raven isn't that. And that's my point number two. You know, it, it's so interesting how you're saying, like, I exaggerate things. Mario, Super Mario, is one of the top ten strongest beings in all of fiction. Yeah, that's so you basically Superman, what you said when you repped him on the show, James. Superman, Goku, uh, One Punch Man. I mean, do I need to keep going on with this? There are so many. I'm not saying he's not powerful, but he's definitely not He's not top ten. I wouldn't even put him in top the top thirty. But Boy, he, I'm I'd not, like to I'm have not James Gavsey from today go back and listen to James Gavsey back then talking about Mario. That's right. When you put everything together in the way James Gavsey would operate a Mario, you would get something that's that good. Unfortunately, Mario doesn't have me kind of as his corner person in a fight. If he did, it'd be a whole different story. And you know, Bowser has a real hard time with this guy, and I get it. You know, here's the thing too. I like how. Bowser can actually attack, you know, he can duplicate himself up, you know, up to four times. He's got multiple fireballs. These are all great things if you are taking on someone who only had an ability to kind of protect themselves in, in a singular way. Luckily, that's not Raven. So, you know, we all see Raven with this, you know, we, it's called her soul self, where she's got this big, huge, shadowy Raven, and that's got insane power. And this thing can actually go after dozens of opponents or attackers at the same time, while while keeping her perfectly safe. One of my favorite panels was when, you know, she's being attacked by these demons from DC Comics version of Hell. It was about 10 of them, all of them insanely superpowered. And she just quoted my favorite thing, Azeroth, Metreon, Zinthos. And sure enough, boom, 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 the soul self comes out and just wrecks all of them at the same time, keeping her perfectly safe. I just don't think these multiple attack type of tactics as Bowser, as cool as they are, will do anything to Raven. But with all that being said, let me get to my point number two, and let's talk about how Raven uses her powers combatively. Look, it's one thing to say that a character can do something. We get it. It's another to show how they've used these powers when battling super-powered opponents, and that's what I need to do in this battle. So Raven has crazy examples of using her powers to take, take out literally some of the most powerful beings in DC Comics. In terms of close proximity teleportation, she can use it almost as well as Nightcrawler from the X-Men, and that's not an exaggeration. You know, we see Nightcrawler kind of going, bamf, boom, peering here, bamf appearing something like there. She has her other one. I think it's called like a version of pop. So she pops in, pops out the whole thing. She can use that combatively. Remember, she's had training from Nightwing and some of the best fighters within the DC universe. She is awesome. She uses her telekinesis to pick up large, monstrous beings and, you know, smash them into the ground, smash them together. She likes using buses as bullet-like projectiles to take people out. That is awesome telekinesis. She can use her interdimensional power to summon massive Godzilla-sized monsters and demons. She then puts under her control to do her bidding. It is crazy. She defeated the Teen Titans easily. And by easily, I mean within a second. And when she defeated the Teen Titans, it was a team of the Flash, Cyborg, Starfire, Donna Troy, that's Wonder Woman's insanely powerful sister, Beast Boy, and Nightwing. And she didn't just defeat them. She also used her telekinesis to trap them in place in midair after you know, beating them in a second. Just think about that for a second. Starfire and Donna Troy, who are somewhat close to Superman class in terms of strength, along with everyone else there, she held them helplessly in midair all 
all at the same time just because she can do that kind of stuff. She's also defeated the Justice League. At that time, that included the Green Lantern, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, amongst other heroes. She used her empathy, telepathy, and supernatural powers to beat this character called Darkseid. Now, keep in mind that Darkseid is considered an evil force of nature in the DC Universe. Think of Thanos, except way more powerful and way more evil. Trust me on this one. And she defeated Darkseid by absorbing him into her soul self and then rewrote his personality to make him stop conquering planets. That's crazy. That means she's able to make an evil force of nature change its mind. Pretty sure that if she can do that to Darkseid, she can do that to Bowser. She's also taken people into her own pocket universe inside of her called her soul self so that she's got the soul self that is outward with that big, huge, shadowy raven, and then she has a pocket universe within her that she can pull herself, that's also the soul self, and she if she brings someone in there, she can inflict intense like psionic and emotional and supernatural pain and damage to whoever she brings in there. It is crazy. To save Bart Allen, Kid Flash at the time, she used that interdimensional teleportation, took him to another universe to avoid any further damage, with which she then went back into the regular universe on Earth to fight. Fun fact, it stated that she can teleport faster than the Wally West version of the Flash can run. Do I really believe that? No, but that just means she can teleport insanely fast. In another battle, she took her opponent into her cell self and made him relive his greatest pain and losses in battles, which just so happened to be when he got his arm ripped off his body. Yeah, she gleefully made him relive that a whole bunch of times and keep feeling the pain over and over again. See, here's the thing. Raven's not really 100% of a do-gooder. She actually kind of, you know, she's got to take someone on. Her favorite type of battle is battling someone who's insanely evil. She'll save people if she needs to, burning buildings. She'll go in and pull people out, but she loves taking on evil people. It's almost like she's the villain to the villain, if that makes sense. In a physical one-on-one encounter, she defeated a character named Orion, who's a Superman-class being, by the way, son of Darkseid. Here's a fun one. Ray's favorite, in a crossover event, the Teen Titans X-Men team up and have to take on the Dark Phoenix. Again, a galaxy-class, bad-ass type of character. And when they, she encountered Phoenix, when Phoenix encountered Raven, Phoenix said, oh, my God, it's like I'm facing my twin sister or my sister, I should say, of equal power. That is a huge revelation. And one fun storyline, she made DC Comics version of Satan and the ruler of hell, hell uh, be her faithful servant because she controlled Satan's mind. There's a character named Necron. Look. This is just some crazy stuff. I even got into the dramatically increased power that she can use, where she can increase her power dramatically if she taps into her demonic heritage, which she will do in this battle. Dr. Fate, who Ray said is the most powerful magic user in the DC universe, Zatanna, another powerful magic, they got together and they said, you know what? We're really scared and afraid of Raven because she could destroy the universe if she so chose. She's that powerful and she knows how to do it. That's why she's going to win this battle. That's my point number two. Again, you know, a Raven is one of those characters out there who is is just the deus ex machina of Teen Titans stories in many ways. You know, you got basically Robin and Nightwing and, you know, Cyborg is running around and you get Beast Boy. Some of these, you know, not as great power characters, they get themselves in too much trouble and then the writers are like, ah, just Raven finds a way to beat him. That's fine. And, and so it, it gets a little bit silly after a while, but that's the big thing. Raven's always the one who sits in the back, waits for things to 
happen. And then when her friends start getting in trouble, that's when she pulls out the big guns to do what needs to be done. And James talking about crossovers, crossovers carry far less weight and you know it because they're not necessarily canon to the character. And the dark side win is a big deal. Dark side is a powerful character, but if I know my dark side, he's not a particularly emotional character. He never seems to show emotions. He keeps that close to the vest. Bowser does not. Bowser is a full of rage and hate. And like I say, the things that bring down Raven in the stories are if she has too much emotion around her, she gets weak. If she if she's in pain, if she gets to be in physical pain, she gets weak. She ends up losing, you know, her power levels go down, allowing her to be defeated. And I know what you said about her being a great fighter. She's compared to any other hero. She's not that great of a fighter physically. So at the end of the day, Bowser is just too rough of a matchup because she's not going to know what to do with him and he's going to bring her down. Just one little point. You're saying that it's kind of silly, like all the stuff she can do. I mean, look, uh, she's one of those characters who was written to have whatever power we need in the moment, but that doesn't mean she's always showing off all those powers all the time. You're saying that, and Bowser is someone who has, you know, is fighting Mario who has, like, you know, magic mushrooms that make him go really big, and he's got plungers and everything. Just trying to compare, do a, a silliness comparison. Yeah, Mario's much more powerful, obviously. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, listen. We are now at the turning point, where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Jen has to tell us who's ahead and what the other side has to win. But before we get to what Jen has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? You know, we're going to go with a patron that we have not talked about on the show before, Jude Fulton. Jude Fulton is our patron of the week. Ooh, I know a little bit about Jude, um, and you can't give Jude any regular opponent. Let's go with something small because it's their first time on the show. Let's have Jude take on the Death Star. Jude versus the Death Star. Well, this, come on, Jay. You're going to make this so easy for me. You know, the thing about Jude uh, that you have to keep in mind is Jude obviously heavily imbued with the Force. I mean, this is a thing that's obviously known, came right on the, uh, you know, Welcome to the Who Would Win show, and then they got a special email sent to them. Oh, you're. we can see right now you're a heavy Force user. And we all know what Force users do to the Death Star on multiple occasions. Jude's going to get inside an X-Wing. It's going to fly around. And there, they, you know that hole that's there in the Death Star trenches? It's covered. It's actually covered in this example. What does Jude do? Jude actually ejects themselves from the X-Wing because they're prepared for this with the Force using that Princess Leia power from The Last Jedi. Drops down on top of the of the covering, rips it off using Force telekinesis, drops a singular grenade down there. What do they call those thermal detonators? Drops it down into the hole and then force uh, powers away. Force pushes away, doesn't need to breathe, because that's how the force works in these movies. Death Star blows up. Jude Fulton takes the day. Congratulations. Hey, Jude. Don't make it sad. <laughs> you know, I, it, it's Jude's first time on the Who Would Win show, and I wanted, I know it was an easy battle, but you have to give them the easy ones before they can work up. Jude, hopefully we'll see you again for another Who Would Win battle. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Jen, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Oh, gosh. Okay, well, Raven can do a lot of cool things. Um, She can project her soul 
I mean, that's amazing. Um, she can t- she's turned New Yorkers into into stone. Uh, she can teleport. She's beat the entire Justic- Justice League. She seems like a force to be reckoned with. So I'm going to need to hear another take on Bowser, although I'm super impressed I'm uh, with, you know, his size and the way that he can send shockwaves with his feet and like go through floors and all of that stuff. But I'm going to have to just I'm going to need a little bit more convincing from Bowser if he's going to beat this magic lady. You know, here's the thing. Bowser, if I know anything about Ray and I know a little bit about Bowser, I think we're going to get something pretty incredible for point number three. With all that being said, Ray, I know you got it. Go ahead and hit us with that magical point number three. Point number three for Bowser. Let's talk about his magic. He is a magically imbued creature. Like, it would be one thing if he was a fire-breathing, kaiju-sized monster that Mario defeated by sometimes dropping in lava and sometimes the lava is no good. But let's talk about the magic, because this is really where we can show that he is equal to Raven. I will say it, equal to Raven and what she can do. Every feat that James has mentioned with Raven, there's an example of Bowser doing the same. So then it comes down to physicals where he wins. Now, size. He could use his magic to grow to a Godzilla-size kaiju level. Again, Raven is diminutive. Raven is small. If this comes down to a physical battle, this is over. There's a version of Bowser called Dry Bowser that I found that I found interesting. He was somehow, even though he's immune to fire, he was burned, so it must have been magic fire, burned down to a skeleton. But he was able to keep fighting, grow bigger, and be even tougher than he was as a normal character. This is Wolverine level of durability. If you can burn off every one of his skin and organs revealing a skeleton and he becomes more powerful, that what is possibly Raven going to do to stop him? This is a guy who can use his magic to call down meteors from the sky and smash them into his opponent. This is Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, calling down meteors from the sky and smashing them. He can pull weapons out of literally nowhere, conjuring weapons, spiked balls. A lot of balls just spikes on him. Look, I had a whole list here. They all basically become spike balls. Look, it's a Mario (laughs) game. One exciting thing he can do is he can fly. He can also teleport. He's done this on multiple occasions in multiple games. So she's a teleporting master. Oh, wow. So's Bowser. Not a big deal. And he can cover his entire body in rocks. Like one of my favorite characters, Lair, from the Russian Avengers movie, The Guardians. He can become Lair, cover himself in rocks, and then just roll around and roll around trying to smush whoever it is that he's fighting. He's also got that transmutation power as well. In one of the games, he transformed a group called the Egglings into apples so he could easily defeat their entire kingdom. He transmuted an entire species, an intelligent species, into apples. So you talk about, oh, she could turn the people of New York into whatever. He could transform an entire planet full of people into apples if he wants to. Heck, he once trapped Princess Peach, you know, I don't know if she's powerful or not, it really depends on the game, but he was able to just trap her in a bubble, a bubble that, despite her magic, she could not get out of. Super easy, just like that. And one exciting thing, talk about reality warping. Bowser's done that too in one of the Bowser games. Bowser actually appeared uh, and tore the screen in half of the game you're playing to reveal himself as an impressive threat. He literally took the fabric of time and space, took his two claws, tore it asunder to announce his presence. Reality warping, that's a thing Bowser can do. He can also time travel just like Raven. Future Bowser in Yoshi's New Island or Yoshi's Island 2, future Bowser came back from the future to try to squish Mario when he was just a baby. 
Squish it when he was just a baby. What's stopping Bowser from going back in time to squish baby Raven the moment after she's born and taking her out that way? So as I'm saying, everything that James has said that Raven could do, and it's impressive and I've agreed with, and I've agreed with it because it's all stuff Bowser can do as well. So what separates these two? Rage and size. And Bowser wins both of those battles. You know, my final thought here is James talked about what Mario could do when James is piloting Mario. We heard him put that on the record. Well, I've seen James play video games. And the answer is when James plays Mario and pilots Mario against Bowser, he gets his butt handed to him over and over and over again and I've established Mario as one of the top most powerful characters of all time so when James Gavsey pilots you against Bowser you lose and that's my point number three lots unpacked there you know first of all when have you ever seen me play video games I'd never invite you over to my house Oh, James, we don't talk about how I know these things. That's I did see you staring outside my window one time. All right. Listen, I get it. Size is definitely uh, a thing that uh, Bowser has. Again, I've already mentioned this, though. Size doesn't matter, Raven. She's already taken on and defeated super powerful demons that are Godzilla-sized creatures. More on that, too. My point number three. You know, Bowser, you know, there's a lot of stuff I can even say, like, okay, molecular manipulation, teleportation, all that. Yeah, I can see, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can cancel out between these two opponents. But Bowser, as far as I can tell, has not dealt with being attacked emotionally or on a spiritual level where his soul gets attacked. So that's a big, huge question mark right there. It's not something he's ever had to deal with. You know, this is, you know, this is an interesting battle. And I think it's strategy that's really going to come into play for this. So let me get to my point number three. And this is all going to become very clear. There's a, there's a few weaknesses Bowser has that Raven can take full advantage of. Now, first of all, Bowser is insanely arrogant. I mean, his arrogance is, this is, you go to any, you know, website talking about Bowser and giving a description, his arrogance is his number one thing. He's so certain of his own success, even though he's been beaten so many times by Mario. By the way, Bowser is so arrogant that he hasn't even really changed the way he fights. He might have some new weapons, but it's all straight ahead, straightforward. He's coming at you. Uh, let's see. That's the second weakness. His attacks are similar. Again, very powerful, but they come at you directly. In combat sports, especially MMA, the fighter that comes at you directly is very easy to outmaneuver because they can't always tell where the counterattack is coming, where their own opening is, because again, they're coming straight at you, and that's also that arrogance. Uh, you know, a third thing, and I don't know if this will play into it, evidently he's known for falling into his own traps sometimes in some of the video games. I haven't played enough of the Mario games to kind of verify that, but that's just an interesting thing fact. Now, keep in mind, Raven has also defeated someone very similar to Bowser, except this person's way more powerful. I'm talking way more powerful. And that's her father, that demon, Trigon. So turning into her more powerful white form, she calls it. So she wears all black. All of a sudden she goes, you know, Super Saiyan becomes insanely powerful and her all her outfit turns white. So that's the white version, I guess. She defeated Trigon using the strength and mystical abilities of pure light. And when I say beat him, she completely obliterated him. So keep in mind that Trigon is the embodiment of hate of his universe. He is the, he took the hate of everyone in his universe and took it into himself. He is the embodiment of hate. He is that powerful emotionally, and that's who Raven took on. Trigon is easily in the top three most powerful beings in the DC universe. He fought DC Comics' version of God in that universe to a standstill. That's insane. Uh, let's see. He can reshape entire planets with a snap of his fingers. He's drained the souls of millions of worlds and can create wormholes to other dimensions and legions of demon hordes with a single thought. And 
in his universe, his universe, Trigon is the ultimate being and had never been even close to being defeated. This is insane. That's who Raven beat. And that leads me to how Raven's going to win. Because quite simply, Raven is often underestimated because there's really no way to look at her and to realize she's actually one of the most powerful beings in the DC universe. Think of her as DC's answer to, like, I think, Jean Grey, right? Who's also the Dark Phoenix, mentioned before. Except Raven, in my opinion, has a lot more powers. Again, she has the power to destroy the universe. Look, manipulating matter to change a planet, that is insanely impressive. To destroy a universe, that is on an entirely different level. That's where Raven's coming from. So here's how this fight happens. Raven and Bowser face off. Raven's empathy immediately picks up on the fact that Bowser wants power, is arrogant, is extremely hot-headed. Bowser immediately goes on the attack. Raven teleports away and counters. Bowser sees Raven's power and starts to use more and more of his awesome power of his own. Raven expertly outmaneuvers Bowser's straightforward attacks. Raven then uses her soul self, that big Raven, to press the attack on Bowser while simultaneously shielding her from all of his might. Bowser, benefiting from the experience of fighting Mario in all his forms, ups his power dramatically and starts to use his incredible power to attack Raven with everything he's got. And with everything he's got, he wins and declares victory and celebrates as he sees Raven's lifeless body on the ground. And as he's celebrating on and on and on, he keeps going until he hears Raven's voice in his head. You think you've got the power to beat me? That's what Raven's saying. Bowser doesn't know what's happening. He's suddenly gripped by uncontrollable fear being created and manipulated by Raven. His entire reality melts away and reveals he's in the soul self of Raven, her own inner universe. You don't know what real power is, do you? Well, let me show you, Raven says, as she gleefully and justifiably cuts loose, goes into full power mode, and lets her demonic powers just do what they do. Bowser is then hit by dozens of incalculable strong attacks, one more powerful than another. As Bowser tries to fight back, he sees that he's powerless in Raven's soul. And finally, just as she did with her even more powerful father, Trigon, the embodiment of evil of an entire universe, she lands a killing blow and absolutely destroys Bowser as she demonstrates the universe-crushing power she alone possesses. That's why Bowser loses. That's why Raven wins. That's my point number three. Oh, James. Oh, dear Lord. Some of the silliness that you're bringing forth right here. Let me explain to you exactly what's really going to happen, because uh, you talk about uh, Bowser being a straightforward uh, opponent. Bowser has a lot of different kinds of attacks, but also Mario, he fights the same guy and Mario understands Bowser. This is a unique battle. These two do not know each other ahead of time. Uh, Raven often fights with a team. Many, many times Raven relies on her teammates to back her up and, f and show off her weaknesses. You know, in, in MOBA games like League of Legends, we refer to these characters as carries. They need to be protected from overwhelming force in order for them to get off the magic attacks that they need to to win the battle but she doesn't have that here. And you talk about uh, Bowser falls in his own traps. There's no time to prepare. There's no traps going on here. What are you even talking about? The most sensible thing you said during your point was Bowser wins. I loved hearing that because I agree with you, James. Bowser does, in fact, win. And, and you brought up this Trigon character. It was kind of weird to use half your point to talk about this other character named Trigon, who's her father, who's a powerful demon who has many of the same powers that she does. I was just reading a little bit of a blurb so I could have it. Uh, Trigon is omniscient, which means that he knows everything that's going to happen, but Raven still won despite being less powerful. How? Because Raven had an emotional advantage over the character as his daughter. She, he either needed her to still be alive to do what he needs to do or something emotionally inside of him that prevented him from destroying her, which obviously he would do. So he, she doesn't have that with Bowser. She does not have that with
with Bowser. So at the end of the day, what's really going to happen here is that he's going, they're going to start fighting a little bit. All of their tricks are really not going to work because they do the same stuff. So they're going to go back and forth, back and forth. Bowser's going to do a move that I saw him do in one of the video games, which is he's going to take the battle to his own realm. He's going to take the battle to his own realm, which he can do. A small planet that appears uh, that basically limits her mobility and where she can go. Bowser is then going to turn into a Godzilla-sized monster on this very small, small, little prince-sized planet, and he's going to fly around her and chuck every single thing possible at her because at this point, they're down to physicality. He's going to limit the battlefield to a small sphere and he's going to take her out by bringing the battle to where he wants it because essentially at the end of the day these two characters are the same but one's got rage on his side again i think you missed actually addressing the point that she's got to attack him not just in a physical way but in the soul way the emotional way and be able to read his mind completely but that's all good because now it's time for jen to make her decision You've heard three points from me. You've heard four and a half, five points from Ray. Take (laughs) us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Bowser and Raven. Okay, this is such a hard one because they seem pretty well matched. I feel like the point was made um, that Bowser can do a lot of the same things as Raven, like the teleporting and the reality warping and the time travel. But Raven, she does the spell spiritual soul attack and um so she has that going for her and bowser is very arrogant so he's like probably a little bit narcissistic i don't know the thing is is that ray really got me when he said that he would take her to his own realm and just start chucking stuff at her left and right and the reason he got me with that and he said rage is on his side uh was because she's an empath and i feel like All of that rage coming at her. Oh, and he can clone himself. So if he cloned himself into many, many, you know, four different clones and was sending all of that rage, that that could that could destroy an empath. So I'm going to say Bowser wins. Holy crap. That's a win. So wait, 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 Jen, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jen, so she took on the living embodiment of hate of an entire universe. Her dad. And beat beat him. Personal relationship. And he's never had a loss before. And you're saying Bowser, Bowser, who's a strong being in his respective game, (laughs) can somehow muster more of an emotional conflict within her than, uh, again, a being who took the collective hate of a universe. Is James, that Mario, Mario defies emotion. He's not an emotionally based character. He's a plumber. And if you've met New York plumbers, there's no emotion to go around right there. They don't care what's happening in the world around them. They get the job done. Raven gets weak around emotion and pain. And that's what Bowser brings. And Jen Kane, I was worried like you weren't hearing me. Jen, Jen, and the other thing is, it's like her kryptonite. Is it? Yeah. Is it like it a, universe, is. a universal being who, who is made up of hate of the universe. Versus uh, some guy who's having a hard time with a guy I probably played football with in the 80s who likes to eat Italian food. I'm telling you, there's a slight difference. (laughs) If Bowser was her father, I'd agree with you, James. But that family dynamic weakens that argument that you put Uh, all your point number three in. I think you played yourself again today. Now, I think this one, Jen, I got to tell you, as much as I respect everything you do, and I love your storytelling, too. I think you dropped the ball on this one, but that's okay because you're awesome. You're going to be upset about this for a while. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, no. No apologies <laughs> needed. This is why, by the way, this is why Jen. I love the show is because we then kind of take it to the fan base and they can kind of voice their opinion. I absolutely 
in the most respectful way in the world, because I'm a huge fan of yours, disagree with your decision, but I want you back on the show. Because the way you came up with it, the way you weighed everything was brilliant. So I will give you kudos for that. I do think you made the wrong decision, but that's how this game goes. So well played. Uh, Thank you, James. Thank you. (laughs) Race to Canis. Good thing Jen was here to misinterpret the facts. And I got to tell you, this is three wins in a row for you, Ray. This is well played on your part. This hasn't happened for quite some time. I'm going to have to dig deep and kind of come up with something to uh, turn the tide. Tell the Legion of Audience how you're feeling right now. Good luck with that, James Gavsey. I've got not one, not two, not three, but yes, three, three. Yes, wins three. in a row <laughs> on my way to four. If I can get to four wins in a row, something you've never done on the Who Would Win show, and I have before, I will get to pick any character, no matter how obscure they are, and use them on the Who Would Win show in a battle. I am beyond, beyond excited to uh, present this to the world in a few weeks' time. Jen Kane, you did a great job today. What I would Thank say you. is I think you were right. After point number two, I think James and Raven did have the advantage but james spent too much time talking about her father and then made it out to be this powerful being well if he's that powerful she wouldn't have beaten him so obviously he can't be that good there must have been that family connection which allowed it to happen which bowser does not have and you read through his nonsense and you listened you listened to what i had to say we need more judges like jen kane on this (laughs) show i'm wondering i'm wondering if i need a point number four to counter raise point number four James, you have every opportunity and every minute that I have on this show. Just because Ray gets the last word means that Ray gets the last (sighs) word. I got it. What I want to say is a lot of celebration this week. I could see out there in the social media spheres people saying Raven versus Bowser. Raven obviously in a stomp. Bowser has no chance. But when you break down the battle and you actually think about it, Bowser has every advantage against Raven that he needs to win. I am so glad to be vindicated. Take that, you fans, you legion of audience. You know I don't like you. You know I don't respect you. And it's because you don't have the creativity and the argumentative ability that I possess. And you should never doubt me again. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I, I didn't ask you where they could find you yet. You know, luckily, luckily, I get to go to San Diego Comic-Con and just be amongst, you know, my people. And just feel great about being part of this amazing geek culture. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year, Ray, you'll get invited. You won't. And I will (laughs) gladly feel better about myself because I'm going to talk about this battle to everyone I meet in Comic-Con. And I bet you 100% of the people are going to see my side. I'm not saying you're wrong, Jen. I'm just saying you're horribly wrong, Jen, is what I'm saying. (laughs) James, what I love about that is you're going to be mustering. You're going to be stuck simmering about this decision the entire time you're at Comic-Con, and you're going to have a cone of failure that surrounds you, which will make you fit in very well with the other fans that go to Comic-Con. Oh, my God. I am going to feel so bad at the VIP parties and uh, (laughs) all the cool stuff I'll be doing in lunch. Bring a clothespin for your nose. That's all I'm going to say. All right, Jen, massive fan of yours, and I definitely, if you will, I would love to have you back on the show. Maybe Ray can come back sometime, too. So please, until that moment, tell our audience where they can find you online. You can, Well, you can find me on IMDb if you want to know what I'm up to, and you can find me in Reclaimed Detroit, Excellent which is show. Ray's podcast. <laughs> Very cool. Ray, you already said where people can find you. You may want to be careful with that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gadsy. You know what? I'm going to pull a race to Canis. Let me know how you feel about this battle. Tell me. Of course, everyone's going to respect Jen's decision. You can respectfully disagree. 
you know, but tell me how you feel about but it. But you shouldn't. Everyone, tell me how you feel about it. Let's jump on the James train. Let's just kind of get this ball rolling. I'm not good with this. I'm not good with where I'm at being three wins down, even though I love all the judges and everything. And things are going to change. And they're going to change in a big way. Remember, by the way, to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, Thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash who would win show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. What follows is a teaser for season one of Reclaim Detroit, a vampire the masquerade audio drama from the mind of Ray Stacanus. Reclaim Detroit will debut in July 2022 wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to at Vampire Detroit on Twitter. And now... There's some weirdo Satanists out there or something that you might have heard of? I mean, there are, but this doesn't sound like one of them. This is Detroit, 1996. For a long time, the savage Sabbath vampires held claim to this area. That is, until four years ago when McMasters and his Camarilla group infiltrated the city, then kicked their asses out. I still can't believe your clan lets you call yourself Tory. There are no rules for us anymore. We are who we want to be. Right now, I want to be Tory. It's a little audacious though, isn't it? Hey, audacious is my middle name. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it? Why am I in the back alley of this gin joint? It turns out that the best way to gain knowledge is to invite the city to your secret club and film them the entire time that they're there. Who knew? <laughs> I work for you Camarilla folks too. But you also work for them. It's an underground gothic club for kindred. The lady would prefer tiki torches and Christmas lights. Some loudmouth drunks thought it would be fun to break in my domain and cause trouble tonight. They were wrong. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, 
Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.